0: Hello and welcome to Fish Across the Pond, a UK Marlins podcast. This is episode 45, and it's the first ever Fish Across the Pond roundtable episode. It's been inspired by our good friends, Seven Geff. Um, so you're probably thinking, what's a roundtable podcast? <laughs> well, basically, it's me, the usual host, Peter Pratt. Uh, with a number of Marlins fans from across the globe. We're all coming together to talk Marlins baseball. So, I'm delighted to welcome onto the show for their first times. We've got from Spain, Vicent. Vicent, how are you?
1: Hello, Pete. It's, it's so great to stay here with you and Shona and Jack. And enjoy, enjoy this, this, this round table.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, great to have you along. Um, You gave away a few of the names, so well done. You've done my job for me. Uh, From the UK, Sean. Sean, how are you, buddy?
2: Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, Again, as Vincent said, thanks for having us on. Um, And, you know, good chance for us to chat Marlins, which I think is all of our favourite topics. So, uh, yeah, looking forward
0: to it. Oh, good man. Um, Right, and then we, we were supposed to have... Representing the U.S. We're supposed to have Nate. Nate may be joining us soon. Um, We're uncertain. But then we also have, uh, I guess, the original International Marlins fan. Although actually now he's moved back to the U.S. but is still stuck in Israel. So work that one out if you can. But it's it's Zach. Zach, how are you, buddy? Hey,
3: Pete. uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Nice to finally meet all of you guys in person. And talk to you guys after tweeting with you guys for for a number of years, seasons. Uh, so yeah, re- ready to talk Marlins baseball. I uh, I miss it a lot.
0: Yeah, I think you speak for all of us there. So um, yeah, that is that is kind of where we're at right now. And I think we're all we're all excited and I think hopeful that that a deal can be made. I think to to get some baseball back in what has been a crazy couple of months so let's see how things play out but guys I'm conscious um not everyone listening to this will will know all of our backgrounds and all of our stories so what I think before before we get into the round table itself let's do some quick intros and um what I think we should do is perhaps just answer three quick questions each um so the three questions are when did you start following the Marlins when were you last in Marlins Park? Or if you haven't been, when were you planning to go? And as well, your favourite current Marlins player. So, Vicent, I'll start with you. Um, You take it away. I'm
1: I'm a Marlins fan since one year ago. Less or or more. Uh, My life (laughs) have a, a little bit problems and the search the marlins it was for me a, 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 a point to forward in, in another uh, stage of my my life I, I don't stay in america but when i have a little bit money and it's my dream to stay in marlins and join the game and the environment and all of around the, this this fantastic club, and it's hard to to stay with with one player. But if if I have to say one, I say Miguel Rojas. Mm. Miguel Rojas is is a iconic player and most important in this this period of the Marlins.
0: I'm with you. Uh... Great. Uh, He's an awesome dude and uh, a a big favorite of mine also. Um, Sean, coming to you next, buddy. Um, You take it away.
2: Yeah, so I've been a fan of the Marlins since 2003. Um, Like a lot of people just, you know, up one night, flicking through the channels and all of a sudden there's this sport on. And, you know, never watched baseball before, but always been into any sort of sport thought I'll give it a go. Um, Instantly, it was, you know, it was the playoffs. Um, So you ended up in the World Series. You had the Marlins and the Yankees. You can't support the Yankees. You can't go with a big dog. So I went with the underdog um, and uh, lo and behold, they go ahead and win it. Um, Been a fan ever since. Obviously never got to such a winning stage again since, but, you know, you're always hopeful. Um, Haven't been to uh, Miami or America, um, had planned to go this year, um, ready for opening day. Obviously certain things conspire against that. Um, uh, So yeah, hopefully 2021 will be the year I go. Um, Favourite player, I think we might have a full table here of people that want to say Rojas, you know, El Capitan, leader of the team, um, the soul of the team. Hopefully we can do some winning while he's, you know, remains a player for us.
0: Hope so. Uh, nice, uh, Miggy Rowe getting some getting some serious love here from the guys. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, hope 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 you get to make it next year uh, over to to Miami and take it in. I'm I'm like you. I'm I'm planning trips ahead. I was on the fence. I almost. Dan, who is on the uh, is in the normal panel, let's say, or the the regular panel, he he was in for, for opening day. As soon as he told me that, I got straight on and started looking at opportunities. Uh, my wife uh, quashed them quickly and said, "It ain't happening this year. So, you know, maybe next year." But anyway, Zach, um, onto you, onto you, buddy, just to round it off, and then we'll we'll kind of get into it.
3: Yeah. Um... I've been a Marlins fan a little while longer since I was since I guess since the day I was born uh, in the early 90s. Um, I was basically born as the same at the same around the same time as the franchise itself. So I've grown up as the franchise has grown up. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool looking back on lots of memories. I grew up in South Florida so so I've been going to Marlins games. I've been lucky enough to go through every stadium with all 15 of the names that it had uh, in the old stadium. And then now through Marlins Park uh, with my dad, with my siblings. Uh, We used to go to a lot of games. The most recent game I went to was sometime last year. Uh, I don't remember which one exactly it was, um, but I definitely did go to a few games at the end of the season. I had managed to go to one spring training game Roger Dean this year before spring training was stopped, so I'm just glad I got I was able to say I went to one baseball game in 2020, uh, otherwise it would have been very sad. Um, and then the favorite player, I'm not choosing a different one just because both of you chose uh, Miguel Ross, but I was going to choose anyway, uh, Pablo Lopez, um, for sure. Uh, just watching Pablo on the Mound, remind me of when I used to watch Jose Fernandez on the mound. Um, just enjoying every second on the mound. And where when I watch Pablo, I'm on the edge of my seat uh, with every pitch, hoping that it's extremely successful. And when he gives up a run, I feel it in my heart (laughs) and feel terrible. So I've been fortunate enough to meet him as well uh, once or twice, Um, and he's the kindest guy I've ever met. Um, You hear it a lot being said about him but it's true when you do meet him in person and I just it's a joy to watch him play and watch him also talk about his starts afterwards he's a very smart well-versed guy in in pitching so definitely Pablo right now current Marlins.
0: Love it well I think you've had the best of of both worlds Uh, for those who listen to this podcast uh, and have done throughout in the last year or so uh, everyone knows Pablo was my guy we've all got different guys in the rotation that we all really root for but Pablo has always been mine so I'm with you there Zach on, on that one for sure and uh, yeah like you guys absolutely love Miggy Rowe uh, speaking to him was was absolutely incredible and um, just the just the electricity and his passion just absolutely comes through Miggy Rowe it's it's so infectious so yeah, awesome. Guys, so now we're I guess we're warmed up now, right? We're feeling warm. We're feeling loose. Um, let's get into the round table itself. And what is it? <laughs> what are we gonna do? And for the listeners, what we what we're gonna run through here, everyone has come prepared with a question or a topic or a theme that they'd like to bring to the table, and then we'll all collectively just have a have a chat about it. And we're, we've got it recording. So that's what the concept is. Um, we're going to go in order of who replied to the invite. So I put it out on Twitter to say who's interested. And uh, Zach was first. I think it may have even been Zach's idea. So, um, <laughs> he, I'll take credit for it. Yeah, you take it. You take that. Um, so <laughs> Zach first. Vicent is uh, in the two hole. Uh, Sean in the three spot. Nate, if he arrives, which is possible, uh, he'll be in cleanup. If not, then I'll, I'll, I'll sort it out um, and, and, and round things off. So, Zach, over to you with your question or theme or concept, and, you know, let's, let's get into it.
3: So the Marlins have a really interesting history. Vicent, you've been a fan for one year, but you've read up on the history. Uh, I'm sure and Sean you've been a fan since 2003 and Pete you've been a fan since Stanton hit that home run a few years ago uh, in, in Marlins Park That majestic beautiful home run um, so the Marlins have an interesting history they have uh, a lot of really notable individual achievements whether it's uh, rookie of the years, no hitters, um, batting titles, long hitting streaks, um, they have two World Series titles, No, no cycles yet but uh, maybe one day they'll get a cycle. Um, so I'm one thing that, that I've always wondered is, number one, why the Marlins don't celebrate their history more. It's a complicated history, but it's a fascinating history. And no matter whether it's complicated or perfect, it's still history and it's still important to the fan base. So I was wondering, um, I guess neither neither of you, Vicente or Sean, have been to Marlins Park, but let's say – also digitally, or maybe what you've seen other teams, your teams back home in the UK and Spain, do to celebrate their team's history. I've I've always wondered how the Marlins, if you have any ideas, can celebrate their team's history at Marlins Park or even online for fans. There are Marlins fans all over the world.
0: Yeah, oh, good good question, Zach. Who? who wants to go first? who's first up <laughs> i
1: myself i uh, i think in marlin's park uh, I miss some banners or something that the people who who goes to see the the games can can watch uh, miami marlin's world champions ninety seven uh, Zero 3 and the uh, MVP player or, or something like that that say about Rookie of the Year or MVPs or or some kind of, of record, uh, historic record or awesome record that the, the people do. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. I think in, in the territory of, of the stadium, I miss something like that. All all of this if if I is the I watch uh, uh, through the TV and met in, in social media. I mean, it's also more interactive with the fans or or something. In in waiting about what what they do or what they put in, and you try to to uh, to accomplish the the everybody uh, every every everything that they put or um, i mean i mean it's something like that
0: right awesome anything any thoughts from you Sean?
2: uh yeah so um obviously what's happening over uh, sort of um this period of isolation for everyone to see i think seven GEF they they started this little sort of video a bit like this i guess um And it seems like they've done it off their own back. It would have been lovely to have the Marlins say, look, you know, let's back this, let's get behind this, let's send current players there. That would have been a real opportunity for players who are ultimately not doing much at the moment to invest some time in engaging with the fans. Um, I think that's something that maybe across the whole of the league is something that's been missed out.
0: It's a good point. It's a good point isn't it? I think the the one thing I have seen on the on the player sides is I, I, they have done some Q&A bits on Instagram. I mean I'm not an Insta man whatsoever but um, I have seen fewer a few of them popping up and it's made me want to get involved but I need my daughter to help me get you know get going on, on Instagram I think but yeah it's I I think when we look back at like the history um, of the Marlins and celebrating success and everything—it—it's uh, it, it, hard to feel that internationally. It's hard to really know that I think, because we only get to see the games through you know through the through the TV and whatever. So I—I I feel like there's a bit of a disconnect there anyway. Um, but yeah, I—you I, know, Big G winning the MVP—it's yeah. not really wasn't really celebrated or talked about, but it was you know an incredible achievement for him. Um, in what is, you know, he's he's one of our, our best ever players. Zach, do you know, have we retired any jerseys, any jersey numbers or anything like that?
3: No, no jersey numbers. I don't know if we're the, I don't know if the Marlins are the only team that's never done that. They've retired a few numbers, like the, the first owner and obviously Jackie Robinson, but never retired anyone, even, even Jeff Conine or obviously not, not Jose Fernandez's number. Uh, that was up for debate for a while. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, it's weird that they haven't done that. And that's one thing that I think is missing. You, you mentioned the international, the disconnect. I actually saw something this week that is what sparked this, this question, this discussion in my mind of a, a virtual, not a virtual, a um, digital timeline of the history of the organization. And I think that would be really cool, especially since this is sort of an international discussion. Um, obviously, most Marlins fans are in Miami or South Florida or even in America. But in order to gain new fans, put put the history online somewhere that if, if someone from Spain or someone from England stumbles across the uh, Marlins game on television or reads a newspaper or magazine article about the Marlins and wants to look up history, put it in a beautiful fashion online for people to see the timeline from the, the black and teal back in 1993 to then world series in 97 and all the no hitters along the way and um rookie of the years along the way and Luis Castillo's incredible hitting streak and Stanton's MVP and you know even even put put the day that Stanton broke the scoreboard at Marlins Park (laughs) because that was an incredible uh, moment Mm -hmm. um I think it's a this is this is just I guess from my uh I like thinking marketing, so <laughs> it, <feels> like, <laughs> it naturally, like it naturally some, comes out of my mouth.
0: <laughs> it feels like we need some sort of like elite, premium highlights package that comes yeah. and covers. You know, the Marlins haven't been around that long comparatively, so you know, but having I'll, I'll a, color. you know having that package would be would be awesome. Because even for me, you know, I followed the team since twenty sixteen, but There's so much that I haven't seen or even discovered yet as part of the Marlins history because, you know, with baseball, right, there's so much of it going on normally. You don't really have time to look back in many ways because you're waking up wanting to watch the latest start. You know, you're focusing on the here and now rather than going back only because of like the corona stuff. It's taken me back to old games that I've never watched before that were, that were key games in the Marlins' history. You know, some World Series games, some postseason games in 2003. And they were awesome because, actually, I didn't know the results. I actually watched it. You know, game four uh, against the Giants, I didn't, know the, I didn't know the score. I watched that game without any knowledge of what happened, and it was awesome. It was absolutely incredible as a game. So, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I, I think you rightly highlighted that, though. And perhaps what they are really, missing, The Marlins, is a really professional UK podcast. I think that would really take it to the next level.
3: <laughs> I think they have it already.
0: Oh, no, no, no. no. They, 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 could, they could juice this one up, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, great question and good to get it rolling, I think. Um, who? I've forgotten my running order now. Who was next up? Vicent, were you next up?
1: Yeah, it's my turn. Yeah. Well, uh, before I, I I present my topic, it's I I would say that congrats you because your job of making this podcast it helped a lot to to people in UK uh, make some curious with to Marlins and baseball. Uh, and returning my my topic, I I. I, I, I will, I would, I want <laughs> to speak about if, if finally the season is is short that that he appears apparently will be. Do you think that would be some positive or more negative things about the Marlins? Because n- less games, it's more possible to 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 fight with 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 spots four or five in the division or or well or i don't know where the playoff can 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 be but if the roster expands to 30 we'll have to for sure monte harrison is possible that make the roster or just chisholm or nick nader because there are different things that could be positive and negative what what is your your point of, of that
3: yeah I'll go first here um, I think it's interesting because in a shorter season especially with with a young team, um, well first of all it would be nice to see some of the veterans that they signed uh, just to see them finally in action VR uh, cervelli um, am i missing, Dickerson, you know, just, just to see them play for a little bit would be fun <laughs> uh, instead of having signed them for a year and then they never actually play a game in a Marlins uniform. But in terms of whether it would be beneficial or not, I think as a young team, it would be beneficial for two reasons. Number one, um, not even looking at the standings, but it would, like you said, get guys like Harrison and Niter and Jazz Chisholm and um, maybe and Diaz and a few other guys that are on the cusp or that may have started again in the minor leagues, maybe like Robert Duggar or someone like that, give them a bigger taste of the minor leagues of the major leagues, excuse me, where they wouldn't have otherwise with a full season. Um, So I think that's one exciting thing for, for Marlins fans to have to watch, I guess on television is watch a few more of the young guys that we may have had to wait another few months or a year to see. And as well, a shortened season means that you can pitch these young arms, Alcantara, Pablo, also who's returning from an injury, even Caleb Smith, where a longer season would usually be very tough on their arms. But a shorter season, you get a nice solid amount of work in, or you wouldn't overtax their arm uh, where it would fall off afterwards. And I think that would be very very valuable for such a young starting rotation, as opposed to, let's say, a rotation like the Nationals, which is used to a very long season uh, with the veterans that they have in the rotation. So I don't see a short season benefiting their rotation at all. But I, I could see it benefiting the Marlins from a player development and just player health perspective, perspective provided you know, pitchers are actually ramped up enough to – to play and to get enough spring training and injuries don't happen naturally because of a weird restart.
0: Yeah, good, good summary. that two key topics, I think, there really. Um, Sean, sure, what about you, buddy? What are you thinking on this one?
2: Yeah, to a certain degree, I agree with Zach in the sense of the the young arms. You know, you. They're not. Some of them aren't going to be coming up and being ready to throw 200 innings. You wouldn't want that. You want them throwing 120, 160. So a half season is perfect. They can go out and they know they can throw 100% for 80, 100 innings, however many they get to. Um, my One of my concerns is with the bats. You've got a lot of young guys. You've got Rinson, who needs to show something, Esan coming off a, a poor two months in the majors. Um, You've got the guys like that in the lineup that, if they get off to a bad start, they've not got the time to, to pull it back around. Um, I think that does add some, unfortunately, added weight to their shoulders. Um, on the positive side, a bit sort of grandiose, but if you're playing 80 games rather than 162, if you get on a hot start, if you pull out 10, 15 wins in the first 20 games or something like that, like they did um, 2009, all of a sudden you've got, you've got a chance, a chance that none of us are expecting us to, to have had this year. Um, And if they get hot, you know, it adds a bit of excitement. Ultimately they probably won't do it, but you know, there's, there's that little bit of hope.
0: Sean, you're, you're thinking exactly like me, that, when when Vicent asked this question, in my head I was thinking, there's a chance. There's a chance. Marlin's playoff baseball. I mean, I guess what we don't know here right now, guys, on what date are we now? Twenty-seventh of May. What we don't know is A, is there going to be baseball because there's some financial issues to get over. B, what's the structure of the, the, the league gonna look like? You know, what are the divisions gonna look like? What are the playoff implications? you know all sorts of unanswered questions right now but I think really if we look at it a shortened season is a good thing for competitiveness probably for the Marlins so we'll be competitive longer and and you're right if we get hot I don't know I mean because it happens right we we were cold in patches last year and we were hot we were mainly we were more cold than hot obviously but um <laughs> it can happen and um and Zach, your your point on the on the pitchers' arms is is absolutely spot on. For a young rotation that's still learning its craft, to be able to come in and give it full guns for a shortened period, I think that's a good thing. Um, and actually, expanded rosters in some sort of way is a good thing. I'm a little bit concerned about the the minor league side. I think that's my main worry beyond the majors and being kind of. More of an opportunity to, to to be competitive for longer. It's the impact of the miners. We've invested so much in our in our system, and what feels like is probably going to be a lost season for development in the main for the minor league. So I, I think that hurts the Marlins, and the the changes in the draft. I think also hurts us as well, perhaps. But we'll see. Um, hopefully, that answers.
3: I'll add one quick thing. Um, if I were to bet on any team or any city to be hot when a season starts in July, it would be Miami. So I wouldn't be surprised if a, if a team starts hot because of the summer in Miami with a season starting in June or July.
0: That's true. There's not going to be much roof open action, I don't think.
3: Not at all this season.
0: <laughs> oh, no. No, you're right. Vicent, what a, what a great question, though. And... Um, well, actually, what what's your view just before we you know before we finish up? It was a great question, but how do you see thing, things playing out for, for the Marlins in twenty twenty? You hear me, Vicent? Oh, sorry, you, uh, how, sorry how please, do you. please. Yeah, to answer your own question, what, what are your thoughts? Ah. Uh, in
1: about my my question. You, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the point of Zach uh, it's very interesting about the arms because uh, what if one thing that we we improve a lot more to to the next years is the rotation of these three arms, young that Sandy, Pablo or Jordan Yamamoto, and this point that's very interesting. Uh, the point that the minors you can tell now that you can say now. It's 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 very it's a very problem for 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 us because if don't if 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 the play if the player if the minor players don't play is a, a year um, uh, is a miss in this year they have to 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 step step uh, away and forward to to uh, to arrive in the majors uh and th- that's that's a, a little bit my 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 vision of of the situation it's it's difficult
0: yeah good man well great question and and well summarized at the end um sean i think i think it's on to you now buddy, for your one
2: yeah, that's right uh, so zach touched on a little bit earlier about the history of the marlins and and how some you know, like yourself and like Vincent, who, you know, you've, you've become fans of the Marlins and you're, you're going through the history and with it's all being isolated, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have all gone back and watched games from 97 and 2003. Um, and then obviously the excellence of Jose Fernandez. Um, and there's, there was a, there's a wealth of um, Marlins history and content out there that you can go and catch up on and, and, uh, and learn about the history of the team. And while I was going back, um, the 2009 season for me was really um, quite an unheralded season for the Marlins. Um, Obviously the wins in 97 and 2003. um, After the 2003 series, there wasn't this massive, massive cut down like there was in 2012 or in previous years because the, the young talented players they had were still cheap. And they were going through early years of arbitration, or some of them on the minor league deals. Um, so there wasn't this major shutdown after 2003. And by 2009, we'd built a pretty good team. Um, and just going back and looking at some of the history of the team, um, some of the players we had, um, you know, in, on the pitching side, you had Josh Johnson, you had Ricky Nolasco. Um, both, you know, as a one-two punch, they were they were pretty good um, around those years. Um, I've read recently a Joe Fisario, um article about um, the top five players at each position, and the 2009 team is 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 just full of them. Um, number two and number five in the history of the Marlins as right-handed pitchers were Johnson and Elasco, behind Jose Fernandez, which is obviously, you know, fair enough. Um, Hanley Ramirez, who back when I you know, was watching those games and listening to those games, Hanley Ramirez was by and far the best player on the team, but he rubbed me up the wrong way a little bit. He, he lacked sometimes a bit of hustle, um, but going back and watching the games and looking at the stats, his stats are remarkable over a five-year period between 2006 and 2010 he averaged 24 home runs and 39 stolen bases you know from the shortstop position you know he wasn't the greatest shortstop position he dropped the ball quite literally every now and then um but he was a fantastic player um they had dan Ugler, um who was a rule five pick arguably the best rule five pick ever he hit three 30 home runs three years running that's something that players like Jackie Robinson, Joe Morgan, Brian Sandberg never did. Robinson Cano never hit 30 in a row. Um, he was a fantastic player for us. He'd hit 240 and strike out 200 times, sure. But as a Marlins fan, having these players that you know were doing these things, we had um, Coughlin, um, who was the 2009 Rookie of the Year. It's a fantastic season, and I think... A lot of times you go back and you look at the World Series years and you go, oh, well, two, you know, 97-2003, great years. There were other seasons that I think players, people like you, Pete, and people like you, Vincent, can go back and really watch um, and find a lot of interest in.
0: And, and Sean, and great to highlight this, and, and this is where I'm going to struggle. As you know, I, I wasn't following the team then. So just if you can perhaps kind of summarise... Where did the Marlins land that year? They obviously had a... a it sounded like a very impressive team, but...
2: Yeah, no, good I haven't, Yeah, I haven't got the record in front of me, but um they were in the playoff hunt um, can- in August, early September. They were still within a chance. Um I, I'm willing to be standing corrective, but I'm pretty certain that was the best season as far as um going forwards towards a playoff shout than... Well, any other other than obviously the years we made the playoffs um, yeah no they had a very good team and I think probably lacking a question from what I've spoken about before um, maybe Zach um, could talk about some history of the Marlins where you know maybe yourself or Vincent or even myself um, don't look at as much as maybe deserves
3: yeah so
2: to answer your question,
3: <clears throat> excuse me, they, they finished in second place that year. Um, they finished in second place. My memory is terrible when it comes to even last season. Uh, so 2009, uh, let's see what I remember. But they came in second place. That was basically, like you said, their best um, record or their most promising season other than the two wild cards, uh, of course. And I remember that they were in the hunt until the very, very end. Uh, I was in high school at the time. That was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the last winning season that we've had as Marlins fans, uh, 2009. So it's been a long time since I've felt the feeling of winning, uh, winning season. So that much I remember from 2009. I also remember Dan Ugo was my favorite player growing up as a kid. Um, this was obviously before Jose Fernandez time and now before Pablo Lopez time. Um, Dan Uggle was my favorite player because I was playing second base. I always wore number six, which was his jersey. Um, to see him and and Hanley Ramirez in the middle of that lineup, uh, and Jorge Cantu as well uh, at third base. A lot of Marlins fans forget about how good he was for a short period of time uh, with the Marlins. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was before the Mike Jacobs time when they when they all hit 25 home runs. I don't think it was that season, but they had three quarters of that incredible infield. Um, Hugo Ramirez and and Cantu, which was very fun, and like you said, the pitchers. I remember watching Josh Johnson pitch. He was he was so dominant, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I actually looked this up. He was uh, he was an All Star that year. Uh, him and Hanley. He didn't Johnson didn't play the All Star game, but he was an All Star, and uh, just looking at his stats uh, was off the charts, amazing. He he was. He was spectacular for the Marlins for a long time. Even Ricky Nolasco, who you mentioned, had a bit of a rough year in 2009, but he was, he was always steady. He was there. He was very consistent uh, for, for many, many years. Um, and I remember that was a few years after Anibal Sanchez threw his no-hitter, uh, which I was in attendance for, which was cool. So having him still in the rotation – uh, was incredible. And I remember there was one name from that. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Badenhop. Uh, We called him. Everyone used to call him the hopper, uh, which was very fun uh, to watch him pitch off the mound. He was tall, skinny, and, and I think there was a – I think Rick Vandenhoek from the – since this is an international podcast, Rick Vandenhoek from the Netherlands was on that team as well, uh, starting pitcher for the Marlins. And I just remember him and him and Badenhop were two very tall, skinny – guys on the mound it was a really good season I mean like I said it was the last winning season that we've had in our in our franchise history so uh, I hope we can put together another season like that but that season meant a lot I I mean I can go through a list of names guys that I loved they weren't only on the 2009 team guys like Cody Ross uh, was just such a (laughs) such a fun guy to watch when he was in a Marlins uniform But Dan Udwell was my favorite. And I remember 2009, that was when I was still in high school. Just I used to go to games all the time and watch games. And after I came home from school, I used to do my homework, finish by 7 o'clock local time, turn on the Marlins game and expect to win every night. And it's been a while since that feeling. And I can't wait till till we get that feeling again. I was hoping this season or or maybe next season, uh, turning on the television and watching an exciting team uh, with a chance to... Where not just a chance to win, but where you are fairly confident that they c- they can and will win every single game, and that was 2009 from from the little that I remember.
1: well uh, I, I in this point 10 i I re uh, the typical matches you know, with the World Series that we win but Sean but when Sean said thousand and nine I searched this season because I really don't don't see any 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 game, but I think that i I don't remember if if the no hero of Aníbal Sánchez was in this season, but i i I watched something about this game but searching searching uh, information about this season. That's, that's that's amazing the the only months that that marlins have a a, a negative record was may that have the the half nine twenty nine twenty the the others months the the balance is positive and one tired in august but i think that this 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 huge huge difference about nine and twenty games that is the step that that possibly I, I stay in playoffs, and and seeing the the balance of, uh, against the the own own rivals in division, we don't we don't lose against any anything, anyone. Sorry, that's that's incredible because the people who follow the in the team dress recent years, that, that's that's crazy. To, to, to steal something like that.
0: And, and guys, well, the, the 2009 team, um, I mean, when I when I think of the Marlins and everyone, uh, everyone talks about the, the most recent Marlins and, and we're always beaten with this, wow, what an outfield they had. They had an incredible outfield. How did they not win anything? Sounds like the Marlins had just an incredible infield where they were just hitting home runs everywhere Pitching was good. Like, guys, what what was holding the Marlins back at that point? You know, was was it pitching, bullpen, combination it, of they, things?
2: Yeah, there wasn't any major sort of position. I mean, the pitching was, you know, like um, Zach said, uh, Nolasco that year didn't actually have that good of a season. He had a, a five ERA. Um, but... You know he 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 took the took the mound every five games. You know he was he was consistent. He kept didn't help them win many games, but they, he didn't make them lose many games. Um, I've got I did a, a little bit of research. They started out eleven and one um, in the season, and opening day. Um, I'm sure Zach probably remembers this was an absolutely fantastic fantastic uh, game. They they beat um, I think it was the Braves twelve six. Um, Emilio Bonifacio who was um a speedster back um in the in the day um had a inside the park home run went four for five and had three stolen bases in that game um it was an, it was just an outstanding start to the season um they then after going eleven and one lost uh twenty four of the next thirty two games Oof. um so yeah, they ended up being nineteen and twenty five but from that moment on, that was their worst record. They just, you know, they, they, they went on an absolute spree of wins. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there was no major, I mean, they were poor catcher. Um, but, no, there was no major thing that held them back. I think it was just, you know.
0: A bad run, sunk them. Yeah.
2: It happens, of, doesn't it?
0: You know, you it. Can get, it works both ways, right? You can get hot and steam into it, or if you have a real cold spell, it can really derail you so hey it's i mean i i appreciate you highlighting that time it's it's i'm gonna i'm gonna dig a random game out i'll i'll put it up on twitter and i'll i'll tag you in it i'm I, i'm not i don't know i'm happy for recommendations but equally i might just Open find a random one
2: be well worth your time
0: go on that- zach that
3: Emilio Bonifacio inside the park home run, I remember that like it was yesterday. That was one of my favorite memories of Marlins, in, in Marlins baseball, <laughs> in Marlins history. I think every inside the park home run. Um, I think there's only one other inside the park home run that I remember more than that Bonifacio. That was uh, Mike Redmond, backup catcher, back when he was playing before he was a manager for the team. <laughs> and I haven't found a clip of this since it happened, but I remember him hitting an inside the parker wasn't opening day, but he hit one and he was a slow catcher. I remember him falling like halfway down the third baseline, if I remember correctly, crawling to home plate and finishing <laughs> inside the Parker. I've been dying to find footage of that since then because I, I remember it, but that Bonifacio one was special because it was opening day. And I don't know how many opening day inside the park home runs there are in Major League history, but probably not so many. No, I, I agree. I guess, like, Almost like final game of the season, no-hitters, which the Marlins also have. So, they have uh, special things on the first day and last days of the season.
0: So <laughs> Start strong, finish strong. When, when you're talking about slow guys rounding the bases, for some reason, Justin Bour, that triple on uh, the, the night after, uh, or the game, the game after Jose passed, uh, sticks in my mind as well. Kind of coming around like a tank <laughs> and sliding in into third base. I mean... Crazy, crazy memories and crazy scenes from that game against the Mets. Um, right, guys, I, I, I'm going to end things with a little bit of fun for my question. I say fun. It may not be fun because it's going to be a tough, a tough decision. So I've been seeing these things on Twitter, um, which is where you've got to make a decision. You're going to either – so I'm going to give you three player names and you have to either start one, you have to trade one, and you have to cut one. So I'm going to give you three guys, all you know, in the major league team, um, and um, you know, let's. <laughs> it's going to be some tough decisions. So the three players, guys, is tough. Miguel Rojas, Pablo Lopez, Brian Anderson, BA, Miggy, and Pablo. Start trade and cut who's th- I'm abstaining from this by the way because uh, I know though all these guys listen to this podcast so I'm abstaining but who <laughs> who wants to tackle that one first
3: so I'll go first I'll go first what are the three options are to start meaning put in the lineup or in the rotation yep. to trade and to release um yep. I'm gonna I mean I'm biased towards Pablo so I'm gonna say start Pablo um I think uh, in terms of trade value, Brian Anderson, for sure, um, I would trade in that case. I would uh, do an honorary release of Miguel Rojas and add him to the coaching staff right away.
0: Well played, Zach. Well played, sir. <laughs> what about you guys, uh, Vicent? Uh, well,
1: Zach is a very interesting point. <laughs> eh? oh, Uh, I start with Brian Anderson because I want I want him to to be the the future Hall of Famer Marlins player. He exit to the minors and I I really want his stay a lot of years. I trade by Pablo Lopez because they have some possibilities in the league and also we 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 come. Uh, some prospect, uh, and the point of Zach with Miguel Rothen is that it's the best uh, <laughs> release for to to stay in the in the in the bench coach or or, or Martin's system my minor system or or what
0: else that, that is is basic. <laughs> Perfect, finishes up Sean.
2: Uh, yeah, pretty similar answer really. Um, I'd say start PA. Um, he's he's at that level now. He's in his final room um, He's going to start earning arbitration money if we don't lock him up. Um, and it is a case of if we don't spend on him, who do we? There is no one else at the moment that's at his level of performance and at his level of of earning money now. Uh, so I think you've got to lock him up, Lopez. You know, you've you've done us dirty here, Pete. We've got to, we've got to, you know, unfortunately, trade Lopez. Um, Obviously, that's not something that they're going to do, um, but in, under this circumstances, that's where we are. And again, Rojas is, is a senior guy. Um, he's probably on the field the least influential of the three. Um, but as Zach said, he is now the new Mr. Miami. Um, put, him on the, put him on the bench. Put him on the bench and make him a coach. Um and, and have him on the team for the next thirty years. He'll be a manager one day, I'm sure.
0: We've we've played that with a very straight bat for sure. So uh guys, that was a very tough, a tough question. Uh well, a, a good question, but tough to answer with those three guys in the mix. So, you know, good way to finish it off. Um that that concludes the round table. Boys, I I wanna thank you guys for making the time and coming together um this i think summarizes up the coronavirus piece where everyone's been zoom calling and everything so it's absolutely awesome for us to join together on a video call and just talk some marlins baseball um so boys i tip my hats to you for that and for making the effort um for the listeners we're gonna we're gonna maybe do another one or two of these over the next few months so if you're interested and want to get involved keep your eyes peeled um, and uh, you know we'll we'll fire another one up. It's it's awesome to meet you guys properly. We've communicated on Twitter, and me and Sean have met before, but um, for Vicent and, and, and for Zach, we've we've never met in person. So it's awesome to, to I think do that now. Um, any final remarks for you boys, or uh, are we done?
1: Thank you. I'll only thank you, Pete, Pierre for what what you want. Thanks, Pete. This was fun yeah
2: pete great time um and hopefully you know people out there enjoy just uh, four guys talking about miami marlins
0: awesome guys episode 45 it's in the books the roundtable podcast is done we'll be back very soon zach the sean thanks again guys and we will speak very soon